world. It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and now also on YouTube. Look, we're trying to get to 2,000 subscribers on YouTube by New Year's. That's 2,000 subscribers by 2022. We're 400-ish away. And so if you're listening to this now, please go to the YouTube channel. Just search Locked On Blazers on YouTube uh, and, and subscribe to the show. If you're watching on YouTube, just hit the subscribe button. It's a I, We post a new episode five days a week on YouTube. Uh, and I would really appreciate your support over there as we grow our community in that space. Today's episode is not just a plea to subscribe to the YouTube channel, although I might do it a couple times. It's also a mailbag episode. Uh, we do this each and every week, answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. Typically, it's a mailbag Monday. I recorded on Monday nights and posted on Tuesday, but uh, life got in the way today, so we're recording this on Tuesday morning. It's a special delivery mailbag. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag episode, there's two ways to do it. You can tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Just send me a tweet when you're thinking of it. Helps if you tag it as mailbag. Or... Look for day of the show. If you just follow me on Twitter and day of the show, I'll send out a tweet soliciting questions. You can respond to that tweet and I'll get you in the show. If you're not a Twitter user or someone who doesn't tweet, you can email me. LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com is the address. LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. That's the two ways to do it. Like I said, we do this every week. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays mailbag from your ears. So without further ado, let's get into it. Our very first question of the day is actually more thematic than anything else. I'm recording this on December 14th. On December 15th, trade season unofficially begins in the NBA. Um, That's because on December 15th, most players that signed contracts in the offseason are uh, become eligible to be traded. Uh, Not everyone. If you signed a one-year deal, then... It's it pushed back to January 15th. In some cases, if you signed a extension, it's six months after when you signed. If you signed in season, it's it pushes it out. So like for, for many people, uh, for some folks in the league, uh, it's January 15th or straight up not able to be traded this year based on timing. But for the majority of the league, uh, many, many, many players, something like 85% of the league, December 15th allows everyone to be traded. So while trades are discussions are happening, trade season truly begins on Wednesday of this week. So if you're listening to this when the show comes out, we're less than 24 hours away. It doesn't mean that the, the floodgates open, a bunch of trades happen, but like the conversations really ramp up and you can get serious about kind of figuring out what other teams want and et cetera, et cetera. So um, with that in mind, with knowing that trade season and December 15th are big dates in the NBA and December 15th being the sort of unofficial start of trade season, I've got some questions from Aaron and Zabel who both, who asked various questions about the reported um, sort of rebuild or retooling from the Indiana Pacers. Both uh, Aaron and Zabel were uh, interested to know whether the Blazers could pursue center Miles Turner or also center playing power forward some nights, DeMontis Sabonis, and sort of how that would look. Um, I think the short answer of that is that it's that it's not super simple. Um, I think the Blazers don't have the right tools to get Sabonis, and I think... Um, it, like in a straight across trade, and, and I don't think Sabonis is a great fit with, with Damian Lord. I think Demonte Sabonis Domas is way better than Miles Turner, just as an overall player. He, he can't make a right-handed layup, but he's incredibly left-handed. He can really pass. Um, he's super strong in the post. He can he has he has limited range, but he's really he's he's powerful and he's and he's um, a very talented offensive player. He can be an offensive hub. You can run a bunch of stuff through him, and you can be good. It's a two-time All Star, um, but. Um, 
He's not a great defense player. He's not a great athlete. So I think Miles Turner fits actually better in Portland than Sabonis. But Turner is is cheaper. Um, so it's like you got to make the money match up in a little bit smarter way. Um, he's also just like not as good a basketball player. And if and if you get Miles Turner, you got to figure out what to do with Nurk. Like there's a lot of complications to it. But reportedly, according to Shams Charania and, and Bob Kravitz of the Athletic, like the Pacers are considering a. They're going to trade one of those guys, basically, and and retool the roster. Because much like the Blazers, they've kind of pushed as far as they can with this group, and they want to see what else is out there. So I reached out to Tony East, the host of Locked on Pacers, who did a wonderful um, whole sort of trade breakdown of the Pacers situation. So if you if you go over to Locked on Blazers, available wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube, um, the Changes Are Coming episode from Tony really kind of lays out the situation for the Pacers. It also includes some, some good tidbits like Malcolm Brogdon cannot be traded this year because of when he signed his extension just like literally like according to cba cannot be traded this year so if you're cooking up in trade machine you cannot trade malcolm brogdon and you learn that if you listen to tony east but i asked tony specifically like would a cj mccollum swap for either of the blazers big men make sense for the indiana pacers and cj wrote me or cj tony wrote me back the following cj mccollum is obviously good and would be undeniable and would undeniably be the best perimeter scorer on the pacers that would have appealed to any team but the pacers are not really in a spot currently 13th in the East and already very expensive roster to take on a McCollum kind of guy. He doesn't get them into the playoff picture alone, and he doesn't allow them to maximize Chris Duarte since CJ McCollum would take some touches away from the guy they are keeping in mind for the rebuild. Great player and would help Indy, but not the right fit. And I think that's where you kind of run into it. Trading Nurk for uh, Miles Turner or trading Nurk for Sabonis in a weird world, uh, let's say, like, that gives the Pacers the same problem. Too many centers, right? Uh, trading CJ straight across is, like I said, they can't trade Malcolm Brogdon, so he's going to still be there. And then they want to play Chris Duarte, their rookie, who's been really good this year. He's something like the sixth or seventh best rookie in the league. Great rookie class. Um so they then want to play him at the two. So if you play him at the two, then you push you you're pushing Duarte out, or um, you know it's it gets a little bit tricky. So it's it's just not a perfect fit. And like Tony said, like CJ's sort of mass appeal, like would he lift this team into playoff contention? I think the perception from the outside is that he would not, making it um, not a clean fit. So like this is sort of the big headline that everyone's after, like Sabonis, Miles Turner, particularly Miles Turner. And I don't think there's a straight across trade, or at least it would be a challenging straight across trade from my perspective, and also the perspective of another. Someone who's covering uh, the Pacers there in Indiana. And Tony does a great job. I'd suggest listening to his podcast regardless. Um, it, it doesn't seem like there's an easy fit. But luckily, we've got creative people who listen to the show, including Courtside Kev, who sent in the following trade. I actually didn't use this on uh, the sort of you listener trade episode, but I'm using it now because Courtside Kev, I think, kind of gets to the, to the point of how creative the Blazers would need to be to do something like this. In a three-team trade, Courtside Kev identifies the Blazers land at Miles Turner, and Charlotte Hornets point guard Ish Smith in exchange for Nurk, who goes to the Hornets, and Robert Covington, who goes to the Pacers. And the, and the Hornets, for their trouble, would send P.J. Washington to uh, to Indiana. The the Hornets get a starting center. They, you know, they're starting Mason Plumlee, and they're playing small, so Nurk would be an upgrade there, in my opinion. <laughs> Second time that Nurk's been an upgrade over Mason Plumlee in his career. Um the Pacers get two smaller, rangier fours um, that allow them to play next to Sabonis and Cove. And, and Washington gets some defense, gets some shooting. Um, I know Cove hasn't been shooting great, but he's like he's a he's sort of a better positional fit. Uh, and the Blazers get their athletic center, and then they get for salary reasons they get back Ishmael Smith. Shout out to Ish Smith. Um, in this in this trade, 
Uh, Kev also proposed that the Blazers trade a 2025 lotto protected pick. They can't because they owe lotto protected pick to the Bulls, so they would have to lift the restrictions on that trade. But that's we're two in the weeds there. I think the the thing that I want to highlight is not like that. Um, courtside Kev nailed this trade exactly and call it in. Although, sure, this, is, this seems like a pretty good deal. Call it in. Um, but this is the type of creativity the Blazers will need. Uh, if, if they're going to make a trade, they're going to need to find you know teams like okay the. Uh, Let's, let's, you know, the Pacers want to get a little bit cheaper and they want pieces that fit in the front court. Uh, the Hornets need a center. Okay. Let's, you know, it's like you, you, you're going to need to mix and match because straight across trades for the Blazers might not work. And you've got to find teams as we get sort of deeper into the season who, um, their priorities have changed either financial for financial reasons or competitive reasons. They're kind of, they're, they're going to, they're more competitive than they thought they would be, or they're less competitive than they thought they would be. And they're changing their, um, changing their outlook. And I think this type of framework from courtside Kev, shout out to the homie, um, has, as gets you closer. It gets you like, it, it kind of puts you, um, it puts you in the right spot and it puts you, it's, it's, it's like, it paints the correct type of creativity, the correct type of picture that Joe Cronin, the Blazers interim GM will have to kind of, um, that's the needle he's got a thread is to find, find this type of creativity because straight across, I'm not sure Nurk and Cove and CJ McCollum get the right trades, but if you can mix and match and add in third and fourth teams, I think you can find people, find teams whose priorities have, uh, have changed a little bit. That is your big look at the Sabonis and Miles Turner deal. I think Miles Turner would be an upgrade over Yusuf Nurkic, um, albeit mostly stylistic. I don't like, I don't sort of, in a vacuum, they're they're not very similar players, but maybe they're similar impactful players. But I think Turner's athleticism is a better fit um, for what Chauncey Billups wants to do um, next to next to uh, next to Dame, etc. Um, and I don't think the Blazers have a path to get Sabonis, although he's obviously a better player. But that that is your look at the Pacers. Um, you know, the Pacers are going to retool. The Blazers are looking to retool too, so maybe these teams can find a trade, and maybe it'll be something like the three-team trade pr- proposed by courtside Kev. Um, more trade questions, many of them coming in the second segment. But before we do that, let me tell you about Truebill. Um, do you know why tr- free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam. They're out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, you don't want, or you simply forgot about. And on average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, so Truebill is here to make it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, and your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. It's more than one tap. You're paying for a service so someone can do the taps for you. I use Truebill. Um, I, I'm someone with a lot of digital subscriptions. Uh, I went to truebill.com slash locked on MBA. I, I got, I tried out the service using, using the, uh, promo promotional URL that I'm going to share with you here in a moment. Um, from the time I downloaded the app to the time I was looking at all my subscriptions, it probably took me 10 minutes. Um, no more than 15. Like it was very fast and very easy. It got my eyeballs on everything. Uh, all Everything I was paying for subscription wise. It was super simple. And listen, it's not just me. Truebill has helped 2 million users save over $100 million in total. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. Today's show is also brought to you by Stance. It's a company founded in 2009 and apparel that represents a radical reinvention of socks 
underwear, and active apparel. It's got a sharp focus on comfort and quality and creativity. Stans brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Look, I'm wearing Stan socks right now. Literally, as I record this uh, this podcast, I'm wearing Stance socks. I'm, I'm a longtime believer. Something like 80% of my socks come from Stance. I liked them because they had fun basketball players on them. That's how I found out about them. I've got a pair with Clyde Drexler, a pair with Bill Walton. I've got a pair with uh, Pete Maravich and James Worthy. I've got a pair with Shaq on them. But they don't just have fun basketball players. They also got fun designs, and they're just super comfortable socks. Um They've also expanded beyond the sock world. Like I said, they're making underwear and active apparel. It's a company that started out being cool and kind of found its way into being the sort of like really um, just a brand that gets it in the active space. They were the NBA sock sponsor for a brief period. Like this is, this is a, um, you know, p- your your favorite players have worn Stance socks too. So why don't why don't you check it out? Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. That those who feel good do good. Go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase when you use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Enjoy the color and comfort of life less ordinary with Stance. All right. Let's keep it rolling on this Mailbag Monday. Uh, we've got more questions. We talked so much about the Indiana Pacers, but that was kind of like a big, a lot of people had questions about the Pacers one way or another. And, uh, we didn't address it last week and I didn't get Tony on the show. Tony did a whole whirlwind of like going around the league because the Pacers are our team that's going to tear it down. But that's not, like I said, it trade season is here. It starts on December 15th. So there's more and more questions about trades, including this one from Jonathan Sassy at Jay Sassy on Twitter, who asks, are you still sold on Ben Simmons being a player you would want? Yes. <laughs> uh, I understand the risks. Like he's um, he's weird. Like he's he's kind of a uh, he's a guy who demands to play point guard despite maybe being a center um, or at least a power forward. He is he doesn't shoot. He's now gonna he's taking like nearly half a season off to kind of get out of the situation he's in. Um, whether that's because of um, some some personal issues or just like general discontent i think that's you could decide whether what whatever you think it might be but um yeah i i think simmons has some limitations but also i think like the blazers aren't very good right now and you have to take a big swing knowing you might strike out and if you can get simmons on the right for the right price um i'd still do it probably like 11 times out of 10 in fact adrian wojanowski of espn uh reported this week that there's some traction, that Philly's getting some traction on some three-team deals. Again, not a straight across trade. Like, there, there might be multiple parts, multiple moving parts to get everybody what they want. If the Blazers can find a way to facilitate themselves in there and and be part of that three-team deal that they land Simmons or they land another big fish because Simmons is heading out, I am all for it. Shams Trania of The Athletic reported this week that the Knicks, Lakers, Timberwolves, Trailblazers, Kings, Pacers, and Cavaliers are among the teams interested in Ben Simmons, although it's, quote, unclear how much traction Philly truly has on any move. Woj reports traction. Shams reports unclear of how much traction there is. That's, uh, that is the league. That's the... Way the league works these days, but yeah, I'm I'm still all in on Ben Simmons. No, um, I r- recognizing the limitations. I also watch the Blazers play every night, um, and I'm willing to I'm willing to shake up this roster because they're not very good right now. Um, what's the worst th- case, case scenario? Like they end up not very good again? Okay, well, I'd rather be not very good with a 24 year old. Um, <laughs> I think that's worth the risk. Next question comes from Tom at David Burke 30 on Twitter, who asks Bleacher Report had two articles, Hot Seat and New Coaches. Chauncey Billups was on both, 
with a D grade as a new coach, do you see him in trouble this year or does he get a pass? I don't see Chauncey Billups as in trouble at all. He signed a, f- a four-year contract with a team option for a fifth season. Um, firing him mid-season into year one in a year with so much dysfunction around him, uh, they lose uh, they lose the president of the business side. Uh, they have to fire the um fire the GM who hired Billups because of a toxic work environments. They've got injuries um, up and down the roster to their two best players, CJ McCollum, uh, who's still kind of out with this um, lung issue. They've uh, Damon Lord has missed time and he's shooting the, he's having the worst shooting season of his career. Like that's not all on Billups. Um, no, I don't see him. I don't see him in trouble at all this season. In fact, I don't even see him in trouble necessarily next season. Uh, I, I just think they're going to let him figure it out. Um, if nothing else, because of the financial commitment they made to him, like um, paying him to leave is just doesn't seem like something this ownership group is interested in doing. It doesn't, it doesn't jive with all the other decisions uh, they've made. So I, I think Chauncey is totally safe. And I think he should be totally safe. If you hire a coach, regardless of who made the hire, like you kind of have to, um, you got to give them time to, to figure it out and give them time like under under good circumstances. Like, it, can they make it work in smooth seas? Blazers haven't come close to smooth seas, so I'm not. Um, Chauncey, Chauncey certainly gets a pass from me. Um, although I will say this, and there's a couple other questions here about Chauncey Billups. Is that I, don't, I don't think you could say Chauncey Billups has done a good job this year. I think you can say wait and see, but I, but the D that they gave him, like that seems fair to me. The Blazers haven't been very good. They're, they, he, didn't, he hasn't improved the defense um, and the, the offense has taken a step back. Some of, some of that obviously out of his control, but like, um, you know, hard to, hard to give him a good grade just like looking at what the results on the floor. Um, it's, it, I think what you could give him is an incomplete. I think that might be the fairest thing to do. Uh, Tipperio at TipPDX on Twitter asks, conventional wisdom says Billups coaches with, quote, strict accountability. Is there any evidence that that this perception is real? So I don't really, I don't know what, um, what exactly the quote there, strict accountability, like does strict accountability suggest that there should be results? Like, is that, is that, would that be proof that accountability exists? I think you can watch Billups, um, and I don't know if you can see this, this is mostly from in the arena. So I don't know if you see this on the broadcast, uh, but if you, if you are lucky enough to be in the arena or you're watching on a league pass feed from somewhere else in the world, or, um, maybe a extra legal feed. I know some of you <laughs> choose to watch basketball in different ways. Uh, like when, when, when they go into timeout, it is very, very common for Chauncey Billups to pull a player aside and kind of let them know where they screwed up. Uh, and when I had Jason Quick on the program a few weeks ago, he re- he pointed to this as like kind of a sign that Chauncey was like, you know, um, doing the job, right? And I think we talked about it there on the podcast. And I said, that is a that is a fine line to walk because um, like that moment, usually call a timeout, guys walk to the huddle, coaches walk away. This happens with every team in the league. You wait about 45 seconds, talk to your assistant coaches. Then you go say your thing to the players because they just don't need to hear your voice that much. Like you got to kind of got to let them figure it out. And also like coming off the floor is not, maybe not the best time to have these exchanges. And Billups does not shy away from that. In fact, in the last game, I thought he was, um, he really got on, uh, Norman Powell a couple times for defensive mistakes, including one, including one time when Pat Bev had a step back, he really yelled at Norman Powell. Um, I think this is, that's like, maybe that's the accountability you're looking for. Uh, Billups has called out players in, in the media for, for sort of lack of effort, not by name, but he's like called out their lack of effort. Like to me, that's sort of the accountability people were calling for. But if you think strict accountability needs to, to end in results, then I guess the answer is no in general. But like, um, I, 
I kind of don't, I, I kind of don't know what would be proof of that concept, but certainly Billups is, um, not afraid to be confrontational and in a public, public way for sure. And to me, that is kind of the, the accountability people wanted, but, uh, to Barrio, you can, you can follow up and let me know what, um, what, what specifically you're into. And maybe, maybe we can figure out what Chauncey is exactly doing. Next question comes from Scott at Scott PTB 30, who asked thoughts on the quote players frustrated with Billups situation, mostly related to losing. Is it Nurk being Nurk? He has a history of being frustrated with every coach he's played for in the NBA. Dame has been publicly supportive of Chauncey. More evidence that trades need to happen. Um, so I, I believe this was a headline written in NBC Sports that was um, just, I'll, I'm going to call it what it is. It's bad aggregation. It's just crap. Um, story came out a week ago in The Athletic that's, that was written by Shams Trania and Sam Amick that kind of detailed that there was some frustration with players. Uh, NBC didn't write about it. And then they, they got a juicy headline a week later where they only cited these quotes and they didn't add much. Um, they just got a good headline out of it. Um, in many ways, this podcast is a Blazers aggregation vehicle. Um, I try to be more responsible. I thought NBC was lazy and um, it was just straight up. It's garbage. Uh, I'll call it what it is. I was disappointed in the headline. I was disappointed in the, the quality of writing. I was disappointed in the context they provided. The good part about aggregation, that's what I try to do here, is provide context to the larger things that are happening, particularly stuff that you can't report yourself um there's stuff that shams trani is going to know and adrian wojanowski is going to know and jason quick and blah blah, blah is going to know that i won't know but i can help provide context to give the situation i thought that specific article on nbc sports sucked and it was lazy and it was embarrassing and it's a it's a um it is a the state of the media that that stuff is a headline grabbing world and i give it Two thumbs down, and I wish I had more hands. Let's talk about that for a moment, though. That story came out a week ago, and then they wrote um, that it kind of got the made a round again on December 13th, on Monday. Um, this was the like story that prompted Damian Lillard to say MFers are, love drama. Like this is this is it. But I, I do think there might be some truth to like players being frustrated because of the losing and because of the ask and because of the sort of the moments you see on the court where Billups is, you know, stopping guys going back to the huddle and saying, Hey, Hey, we need you to do this. Hey, Hey, you got to get out further on Patrick Beverly. Hey, you, you know, you missed this rotation or, or you missed this pass. We got to get into this stuff. Like, I think there's, there's reason to be frustrated, but I think so much of that is a losing thing. I think, um, also in that story was like some frustrations about how, you know, Dame not running and wanting to run more pick and rolls and feeling like he didn't run enough pick and rolls. We talked about it here. That's just guys in their comfort zone. And when you lose and you're out of your comfort zone, you're more likely to be frustrated. So I think that's what that is, is that it's losing and guys are frustrated because they're losing. Um, I also think like if you're going to write a story with quotes you didn't get or reporting you didn't get, you should provide context and not be lazy. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, I used to work in sports media full time. I'm mad about this. All right, let's come back in the second segment, or excuse me, the third segment, close out the show with more of your questions on this very, very special delivery mailbag. Listen, you listen to this podcast, so you get that power of knowledge. So you get you get my insights into what it means to be a good aggregator and what it means, what's going on with the team. Well, you switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money because with Boost, you get the power of free 5G phones so you can listen to all the latest episodes, the power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too, and the power of America's one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? 
Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile. And here's your disclaimer. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers slash coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. And you're still listening to Locked on Blazers. Still cruising through the special delivery mailbag coming to you on a Tuesday morning. A rare morning record here in the basement studio. But that doesn't mean we're going to slow down with Mailbag Monday. The next question comes from Chin Dog at Chin underscore Dog with two G's on Twitter who asks, Does how obviously the Blazers need a trade lower their leverage with other teams so much that they can't expect much more than a lateral move? Uh, there's something to that. Sure. There's something to the, to the everyone seeing like, oh, the Blazers are desperate and, and here's who they can trade. CJ and Nurk and Norm. And we can, maybe we can squeeze them and, and get Anthony Simons or, or Nazir Little, right? But um, yeah, there's something to that. But I think other teams are, are not too dissimilar situations. Like you, you look at the Pacers and they're in that situation. Um, you look at maybe the Knicks who are, who are scuffling more than they thought they would be. The Celtics who are scuffling more than they thought they would be. I think there's like, um, there's teams that have the, the Kings who are like determined to make the play in game, but they stink again. Um, like it's, uh, it is, there's some truth to that, 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 that you lack leverage when you are desperate, but I think there's other teams around the league. And like I said, at the, at the top of the show and why I led with the sort of the Pacer stuff and kind of the theoretical framework of trades is because some of it is just like you find, what makes sense for other teams other everyone has goals they want to other teams are going to want to duck the tax other teams are want to get younger other teams are you know it's like you you can find um other teams are going to be in not too dissimilar situations and you can find something that works but i think um i think more the blazers are more likely to make a lateral move just because who they have to trade um they're very unlikely to sort of make a massive upgrade because they don't have that special young part that really um you know you trade amfrey simons but he's you know amfrey simons might make 20 million dollars in the open market next year if another team really covets that maybe they pay high for anthony simons right but um if not he's gonna he'll hit restricted free agency and a team can decide this summer if they if if that's something if that's something they're into next question comes from kyle who asks i've heard a lot of praise about nazir little this season that he is making great progress and having a big impact However, according to Raptor at 538.com, he's barely having an impact offensively and he's a negative on D. Also, according to NBA.com, he has a negative net rating. I know analytics don't tell the whole picture, but could you help me understand a balance between these analytic ratings and the actual impact Nas is having? Well, here's one for you. The Blazers aren't very good. <laughs> so being a negative on defense is kind of par for the course. Nas has the fourth best defensive Raptor rating on the team. That's um, 538 analytics website that does that dabbles in the sports world, does like a, a metric for sort of like defensive impacts measured by your on-off, like who's on the court with you, how the team performs when you're off the court, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of like normalizing your defensive and offensive impact in a, in a rating they call Raptor. And so... Uh, Nas's total defensive Raptor is fourth on the team. His uh, total offensive Raptor is fifth best on the team. That's kind of checks out to me. I think you can see it. Um, Nas is 
a good defender when the ball's right in front of him, but he can get lost in the team concept. And on offense, he has these moments where he drives to the rim and dunks, and you say no one else on this roster can do that. And he slashes into the paint, and he's a great offensive rebounder and all these things, and you could see it. But then also, like, he's not a great passer, and he doesn't have a super sharp handle just yet. Um, and he's, like, somewhere like a slightly below average league shooter, like three-point shooter. So, um like you kind of, I think your eyeballs, if you look kind of, I think this, to me, this checks out like, um, he's, he's, he has some limitations on defense and he, and, and, um, there are moments when he just is screwing up the plan and there's some moments on offense when he flashes, but it's not like he's this dominant offensive player. He has moments like, you know, 18 in the first half the other night where it's like, oh, he can play, but also he's, he's like a young guy still finding his way. So, um, I think like the stats never tell the whole picture and these sort of all in one catch all stats give you kind of a direction. I think they point to like, Oh, this guy's been good. This guy's been bad. Um, but they don't tell the whole story. I think you can watch it with your eyeballs, but I don't think that these numbers are like wildly different from what I've seen with my eyeballs. Obviously your mileage may vary on that one. Our final question of the show comes from Joshua Arias. That's JW Arias 25 on Twitter. Could be Arias, but I'm gonna go Arias on this one. I'm Last names can trip me up on this show. So, um, you know, shoot me a note with a pronunciation guide if I screwed up. I don't want to get these wrong, but it happens. Uh, Joshua asks, what are your thoughts on a tank for this one year and hit the ground running next year, a la the Golden State Warriors? Trade for Jeremy Grant, clear the books of expiring contracts, make Dame get a surgery and rest. Play the young guys for experience, see what you got next year. I think there's something to this. I do. Um, I discussed this um, with my friend Chuck. Long-time listeners will know who that is, a former guest on this podcast and uh, a real-life best friend. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's something to this is that you say like, you know, this team isn't very good. Uh, if they can make the right trades and, and kind of reset and, and like seemingly improve the roster, then in January, if you're still kind of in that 11th range in the West that you just shut it down. You hit, let Dame have surgery. You shut him down for two months and try again next year. You keep your draft pick so you can you know, pick in the lottery and hopefully you get it right and you can move forward. But there's there's real risk there. The Blazers aren't the Warriors. They don't have two Hall of Famers. They don't have one of the great offensive players in the history of the league and one of the great defensive players in the history of the league, both on the roster at the same time. They have Damian Lord, who has not played that well this year. Um, some of that might be injury. You know, I think a lot of it is probably the injury stuff, the health stuff. Uh, if you can get Dame right, you're close. But like, again, he's, Dame is, Dame is one of the best players of his generation. Uh, Steph Curry is one of the best players of all time. Like it's, it's just a little bit different of a calculation. And the Draymond Green thing is just like a, <laughs> there isn't that. Uh, and, and the sort of the young players that the Warriors have, like it's just, it's not a comparable thing. Uh, even, you know, Andrew Wiggins is their third best player. who's taken great strides. Do the Blazers have, you know, is, is Norman Powell that, um, I think is, I think is a fair question. Um, I, I'm a Norm fan, but like, the difference in the Warriors and the Blazers and sort of roster wise, I think it's pretty obvious, but there is something to the idea that like punt on this season. If you're not going to get there, make the right trades and load up for next season. However, you kind of have to have Dame on board for that. And what is Dame comfortable with? In the past, Dame was never comfortable with tanking. He always wanted to go for it because he had like a firm belief that they could go for it. But he said, and um, when I asked him after the last game, kind of what his concern level is, he's like, you know, we, we've done this before. We've had, we've been bad and then we've made, you know, in the season we've had struggles and then we've come all the way back and, and kind of pushed into the playoffs. And he says, the good teams don't do this. Like the good teams don't have these lulls, but like, this is our reality. This is where we are. So, you know, there's some, he's, pretty realistic about kind of where the Blazers are competitive wise. So maybe that pushes him in that direction now. But um, 
The idea that you're going to like rest up and jump into contender status by trading for Jeremy Grant seems unlikely. So while I think there is something to it, and I would kind of lean maybe, you could probably convince me right around the trade deadline that the Blazers maybe should pull the plug um, and and like commit to being, commit to getting a lottery pick and not not chasing it and commit to getting game rest and blah, 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 blah. Um, you got to figure out what Lillard wants because if 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 a tank feels... If to him that feels like a white flag that is um, not what he wants at this point in his career, maybe you're maybe you're ushering him out the door more than more than you want to be, and maybe you're setting up yourself for um, a lot a lot of tanking in the future. But I I'm not against this. I think in the past I've been pretty um, I've been pretty slow to accept that tanking or you know intentionally being kind of a lottery team is is a good idea. With this group, um, I'm with this group I'm leaning I'm more I'm more willing to accept this as a path not now not pre-christmas but um let's talk at like mlk day let's talk at valentine's day and then i think you get there like february 10th is the trade deadline depending on what happens there i think you can make a decision for the final two months of the season like kind of what you want to be i think that's to me that is totally reasonable and maybe joshua that tanking this season is is the way to go but i don't think you have to make that decision right now All right, that's going to do it for the mailbag episode. Uh, Thank you so much for those who ask questions. If you want to ask a question in the future, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter or LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. We do this every week, uh, typically recorded on Monday nights and posted on Tuesdays, but it moves around depending on uh, games and stuff like that. Uh, I enjoy mailbags. Hope you do too. So if you want to get, they're a ton of fun. So if you want to get involved, those are the two ways to do it. Uh, The Blazers this evening, December 14th, they play the Suns. We'll have a recap of that show waiting in your, recap of that game, a show recapping that game waiting in your feed on December 15th. They play uh, back-to-back Memphis the next night. We'll have a show recapping that game too. Then Jason Quick's going to join the, uh, join the program later this week. Uh, He'll be on Friday's show, Jason Quick of the Athletic, a weekly guest. Should be a ton of fun. We've got five shows all week, every week. All season long, the only daily Trailblazers podcast available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. So go to YouTube right now and subscribe. Trying to get to 2,000 subscribers by New Year's, 2,000 subscribers by 2022. And we can only do it with your help if you're listening this late in the episode. Sorry, legally you have to subscribe. That's just the rules. Uh, Ask your lawyer. They'll tell you the same thing. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can find it wherever they get podcasts as well as YouTube. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.